Hello, everybody, and welcome back. Yes, back to the MMA Archive. This is episode three, and as you guessed it, we're going to be covering UFC 3. But before we get into that, the show, you know, we're all about accountability here. I messed up last week. I messed up. I got too carried away. I have 15 fights to cover, and I just completely forgot about my awards. So we're going to be starting today's show going over the awards from last week that I completely missed out on. And um, giving my reasonings for those, and then we'll jump right into coverage of UFC 3. <clears throat> so exciting stuff, exciting stuff. We're starting off with usually what, what we end off with here. So let's get right to it. <clears throat> so if you guys will remember, um, hopefully you guys remember these fights only a couple of days ago now. Um, the first award that's going to be given out for fight of the night is gonna be actually i should do these in reverse order so let me do that from now on so our first submission of the night actually came in the first bout of the night which i find pretty pretty funny um this was scott morris versus sean daughtery um sean daughtery was a, a karate style fighter and this one i found very interesting and why it ended up getting the award is actually because scott morris really really did some advanced stuff here and let me uh, please i encourage you guys to look back at this finish again while i'm talking about it but basically scott morris was doing a very good job of sort of pushing stuff in sean's head and putting him in a position to attack the guillotine and eventually he literally rolled him over and when he ended up in that full mount position um he did a very good job of locking the legs and really bowing out his opponent so that he could get as much torque and leverage on that guillotine. Um, you see it all the time in modern MMA and just seeing Scott Morris <clears throat> get to the position, A, B, lock it up, and then C, really fight to get those hooks in. Um, that's the real key to getting that choke, really. Um, once you have the hooks in, it's very hard for your opponent to, to get the necessary leverage to get out of it. So, um, just really, really interesting stuff. When I saw this, I was surprised by how how good it looked. Um, I don't know if it was instinctual or he was taught the move properly because it was executed flawlessly. So I got to give it to him there. <clears throat> KO of the night. This one was a hard one, man. It was a hard one. I'll admit it. Um, the runner-up for this one was actually... Um, funny enough includes one of the men in this fight as well but um the runner-up i'll start with the runner-up <clears throat> excuse me the runner-up was orlando Veet versus robert lucarelli that fight was crazy um orlando v is a monster and and that fight really made me think like you know this might be the guy if he ends up in that matchup to beat hoist like he has a completely different style He's not going to be going out there trying to grapple, and he was able to get out of a choke in this one um, and, and get the finish. That knockout was crazy, um, which means that the real true award for knockout of the night must be even more wild, and that is the case. Um, it is Remco Pardo versus Orlando Veet. Um, This one was crazy, dude. Just crazy. I mean, obviously, it was a very, very short fight. Remco was able to get Orlando V to the ground and get in a good dominant position on top. But the reason why this gets KO the night for me is <clears throat> you see Remco kind of come to grips with what he's actually about to have to do. Like he, he has him in that scarf this position 
and he's looking down at him and then he's thinking you see him realize himself like oh like i could just i could just land some shots here and then he looks at him to the side and then just starts bombing on him and you see by the way orlando v sort of recoils and reacts to those shots he was out almost immediately um and the reason being is it was just such hard punches to take just think about it um orlando v is pressed up against the canvas and getting hit so as you're getting hit you're literally being you know plummeted into the into the floor so you're getting that head trauma from both angles which obviously is not not a good thing um just a a really creative finish a really um almost incidental it felt like on remco's part it felt like he didn't really want to do it um but he knows that <laughs> he wanted to get the fight finished and he would rather be his opponent than him um but it was just a funny position to see him like look down and sort of realize like oh i, I could just win from here and then start landing the shots and finish the fight off you can see orlando v was entirely out he was not moving after the fight was over um thankfully he was okay and was able to walk out on his own powers um but just a crazy ending um this was this was the most shocking knockout of the night for me i thought remco definitely had a chance to get hurt bad on the feet um against somebody like v and he was able to completely turn the tides on me and just get him down and finish him on the on the mat which is crazy to me one second, you guys. And we're back. So the next award for the night. Man, what can I say about this one? This one. This was honestly came very close to getting fight of the night for me. Um patrick smith versus johnny rhodes in my opinion if johnny rhodes wasn't as um fatigued from his earlier bouts i think this fight could have been a much closer fight um the reason why i get to my performance of the night is because man patrick smith had to get over some adversity in order to win this one um he was he got bombed on by some straight rights that came out of nowhere honestly and were very accurately thrown punches um <clears throat> Patrick Smith just was able to weather the storm and then eventually get into a position where he could attack that mounted guillotine. I mean, not mounted guillotine, standing guillotine, um, which I found just really cool, obviously, that he even ended up in a position like that um, early on in the night. And then eventually it got to the ground. And he was able to finish Johnny Rhodes. Um, just a good back and forth fight. The reason why I guess my performance of the night is because he showcased his striking early um, as well as his grappling late where he was able to get the finish with the guillotine. Um, just a complete performance in an age where you don't really see that. And the fact that they packed all of that in a minute and seven seconds um, just adds to the chaos of it. So um, that's my performance of the night for the night. I had to give Pat Smith an award because literally he had also one of the most brutal knockouts of the night against Scott Morris, who was also an award winner. Um, so you got you got to find space for an award somewhere, you know. And like I said, this is just a complete performance on both sides. So good to see um, a a fight with some resistance and be a fight that showcased all aspects of mixed martial arts. So th that was exciting. Um, 
And then finally, your fight of the night. A lot of people might not agree with this one. A lot of people have just penned this in for um, Hoist Gracie's performances, but I don't agree with that. I, I feel like the fight of the night here has to go to Jason DeLuca versus Scott Baker. Um, this was a back and forth war. Um, there were some moments on the feet. Mostly it took place on the ground. Um, but the reason why I got fight of the night for me is that both guys at one point um, for in Jason DeLuca's case, many different points were attacking submissions and came very close to getting them before um, Jason DeLuca ended up getting a mounted triangle, which is a horrible position to be in. Um, reminded me of that, that finish by um, <clears throat> Damian Maya. Ooh, excuse me. Sorry about that. Had to had to get refreshed there, but um, just a really cool finish to that fight where he ended up in the mounted triangle position and really just landed bombs on Scott Baker that forced him to, to tap out, and just not a position that you see often even in modern MMA. So seeing it then was just honestly amazing. I was really surprised to see that um, that position. And in a fight where there was so many back and forth moments, you, you got to give them fight of the night. So with all that being said, we started on a very, very high note. Let's keep it going. We got UFC three, the American dream <clears throat> is how this one was billed. I find it hilarious because the story of this one is the rematch. They're setting up the rematch between Hoist Gracie and Ken Shamrock. Both are in the tournament again. Um, Hoist Gracie, this will be his third time in a row. He's defending his title for the second time. Um, the fact that they're both on the on the um, the poster for this one, I find hilarious because we already know who the the people that be want to face each other, and who <laughs> honestly who want who they want to win. Um, Hoist at this point is just their golden boy, and um, a lot of people were saying, you know, Ken Shamrock should be his toughest opponent so why not get him in there to run it back again and they put him on opposite ends of the bracket so if if we end up getting it it'll be in a high profile match which is always exciting um this event took place on september 9th 1994 so we're five months out from the last event G gave hoist gracie a bunch of time to recover from that four fights in one night um, and we're in a different place now. Usually they had all these events in um, Colorado. This one, no. We're headed to Charlotte, North Carolina at the Grady Cole Center. Um, man, this is this one, well, first of all, I was just excited when I saw it because there was only going to be seven fights. <laughs> so when I saw it, I was like, yes, yes, half of the bouts from last time I get to calm down you know take my time because before you know I'm kind of trying to rush through these things when you have 15 fights that's a lot to talk about you know so um seven fights a lot more manageable a lot more manageable so for our announcing crew we have Brian Kilme, Jim Brown and Ben Perry again and once again the same ring announcer Rich the G-Man Goins out here repeating everyone's last name like we didn't hear him um that's just his gimmick i guess it sounds so silly though he's like 
Ken Wayne Shamrock. Shamrock. <laughs> so dumb. So so weird, honestly. I, I don't understand it, but um, that's his thing. You got to respect it. So first quarterfinal bout. We're getting right into it. I think it's fitting that this show takes place on the same week of Halloween. Obviously, Halloween was on Sunday, but th there was some freak shows here, man. And we're starting right off with them. We got Emmanuel Yarbrough, the sumo wrestler, coming in at a whopping 6'8", 616 pounds. Just insane stature this guy has coming up against... <clears throat> Keith Hackney, who is a white tiger Kempo Kung Fu karate fighter. <laughs> Sorry, I laugh. I just find that hilarious. Um, that back then, I mean, I don't really feel like you hear that now, especially in the striking um, disciplines. You may, you may hear it in karate and things like that, but the way they used to name things after animals and sort of use their likenesses in their forms, I just find it hilarious. And just saying that as a mouthful, man. White Tiger Kempo Kung Fu Karate. Just hilarious. But obviously a much smaller man, almost three times the weight um, his opponent is than him. He's standing at a 212 pounds. So just a, a wild contrast of styles, a wild contrast of just human beings. You see them looking at each other from across the cage, and it just looks so bizarre. Like this just huge guy coming up against someone who isn't small by, by his own right. He's not a small guy at all. He's one of the bigger guys in this competition. And he still just looks extremely dwarfed by this large man. But the bigger they are, the harder they fall. And man, this one started out early and violent. Um, I found this really cool, man. And this is something that you see a lot. Speaking of... Um, I'm going to date this a little bit, but last weekend was the uh, Peter Jan versus Corey Sanhagen fight. And something that you saw in that fight that actually showed itself in this one um, is hand trapping where guys are holding their guard up and you come around and you grab one of their hands and you sort of pull it down. So now they only have one hand guarding them and then they don't in order to free themselves, they have to pull that hand out. And while doing that, while trying to react to an incoming punch is pretty difficult. So <clears throat> speaking of hand traps, I just found it really cool that this one really got started when Keith Hackney actually did the exact same thing to Emmanuel Yarbrough. He pulled down his guard um, with one hand and then just landed a huge ridge hand. Like it wasn't even a punch. Like they show the replay. It's kind of like a karate chop, like just across the head. Um and it dropped him. And it, it was bizarre seeing that big guy fall like that. Like, immediately, he just falls over. And I'm just like, yo, like, that, <laughs> that's crazy. Like, this guy must be must be packing some heat to drop him like that. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's wild. Um, but Hackney jumped right on him and tried to get the finish. And Emmanuel ended up taking big shots, but ended up getting on top, which I immediately was like, oh snap like this is over now because the obviously Emmanuel is just so much larger than Hackney he got on top and started landing big shots that look so painful um but Hackney was able to sort of scoot out from under him and end up getting back to to the feet where you could tell Emmanuel tried to get up as fast as he could and just wanted to get his hands on him um 
to to bring it closer to his wheelhouse. And you see, they sort of ended up getting into a prolonged shoving match, um, where Emmanuel ended up actually ripping off entirely, almost Keith Hackney's tank top. Like you see, just a big like um, pull mark where the the neck is the neck area of the tank top literally ripped it off and just starts pushing him up against the the fence and they literally go flying through the cage door um which i found hilarious man um that was the first time we've seen that to that extent where literally they go through the door like you see the door open and then they're on the outside the ref um big john mccarthy was able to do a good job of getting them to stop and bringing them back in um, but it was just bizarre to see that sort of just pushing him up as against as far, hard as he can. And then the wall just opens. Um, <laughs> you'd never see that in modern MMA. I think the last time I saw something like that was on a regional promotion in like 2016 or something like that, um, which was a while ago <clears throat> now. So that, that was crazy to see, but um, eventually after that commotion, they ended up back in the cage and, they ended up tying up again and you could see Emmanuel sort of fatiguing and um, Hackney and this land is a really good shots, man. He landed an uppercut. Um, and this is wild. So let, let me, let me set the scene here. Um, Keith Hackney throw a kick and the kick was caught by Emmanuel Yarborough. So now they're, they're in that sort of situation where, Keith Hackney's leg is in the air and Emmanuel Yarbrough is sort of pulling him towards him. And literally he's hopping on one leg, getting closer to um, Emmanuel. And then he ends up just landing a big uppercut, literally with one leg in the air, um, like a rocket <laughs> and, and just shovel uppercuts and bus driver uppercut. Like I like, I like to call it. Um, and man, you could see the way Emmanuel Yarbrough got knocked down the second time was wild. Like he fell back. For all my New York heads out there, my man's did the five G's. My man's fell back with his legs sort of laid out to the side and just dropped. And then he ended up trying to work towards his to get on all fours in turtle position. And um, Keith Hackney wasn't having none of it. He just kept hammering away with shots. Um, and what I found really interesting about this one is you see him just sort of bombing on him and just looking at Big John like, bro can you stop this please? Cause I don't want to end up continuing this fight. And then he ends up getting a comeback on me somehow. He just kept bombing on him and it actually ended up costing him. You could see even after the fight, he's really shaking out his hand. Like it might be injured. So that that's something to keep an eye on moving forward. Um, but just a crazy triumphant knockout um, and just something that once again, even though we saw what happened with Taylor Tooley in the first one, the fact that they got someone that was even bigger, like monumentally larger than the first sumo wrestler, and they lost again, um, was just wild to see. Um, anytime you see a size disparity like that, and the younger, I mean, not younger, the smaller fighter ends up getting the win, it's always just captivating to watch. Just, just, just wild. Freak show stuff, as I said earlier. So next up, one of our men of the hours, um, Ken Shamrock is coming up against Christoph Leninger. Um, Ken Shamrock was listed as six foot 215 in this one. Leninger six foot 190. Leninger came out in the, um, the gi. He was a judo fighter. 
um, while Ken Shamrock came out, obviously, in the patented red tidy whities ready to go. Um, they announced this, which I found pretty interesting. Ken Shamrock did wear shoes for this one, for this event. And because he was wearing shoes, they did not allow him to throw kicks. So I found that very interesting. Um, I, I know in Pride, for example, there's some fights where you see guys throwing head kicks with shoes on. And obviously that just adds to the, the strength of that technique. So I could see why they didn't allow it. It makes sense. But just interesting that Ken would choose that considering you're sort of limiting your weapons in that way. But um, this one was honestly, I'll admit it. I'll say it right now. This was one of the harder fights to watch. Um, it just took a long time to get started really. Um, and then even when it did, didn't really, um, didn't really give us too much action. I'll say it like that. Um, Ken Shamrock was able to get a takedown early on and then sort of continue to try to work and get better positions on top. Um, Christoph Leninger did a good job of guard retention. So there was a lot of moments in this fight where they were just, he was just in his guard trying to advance position, but not really getting anywhere with it. Um, <clears throat> and then they ended up working kind of towards the fence. Um, and that's where, you know, Ken Shamrock was able to start landing some bigger shots um and had Leninger sort of turtling up a little bit and eventually um Leninger just decided to tap I know this one sounds like a much shorter bout than the first one um but this one actually ended in four minutes and 50 seconds this one took much longer um but just not really a much to talk about in this one this sort of holding those positions and working to retain guard while someone is trying to advance is it the most exciting stuff? So I'll, I'll admit it. I'll admit it. Um, if you're looking back at this ones, you might, I don't know, you might want to skip towards the later half of this fight. You know, just saying, just saying. Um, next up, our third quarter final, final bout of the night. We have Roland Payne, the hometown hero, represent Muay Thai versus Harold Howard from Canada, representing karate. So I found this one very fun to watch Roland Payne is the smallest besides Hoyce Gracie I believe he came in at a whopping five foot nine 205 he looked pretty built for his size obviously he's not the tallest guy but um definitely pretty built against um the second largest man in this competition besides Emmanuel Yarborough was um <clears throat> Harold Howard and he is representing Goju-Ru Karate, which I find, once again, just great. Just great that they have different forms of karate being represented here. Um, this one was fun, man. This one, they got right after it. Roland really tried straight out the gate to get a takedown, which I found fascinating because, obviously, he was representing Muay Thai. I thought he was going to try to get out, um, land some shots early. But he ends up getting Harold Howard down for a brief second turns into a quick scramble and then they were both able to separate and get back to their feet after they get back back to their feet you can see you know Harold Howard is just ready to bomb he's ready to bomb and he ended up landing a beautiful combination a sort of uppercut left hook right hook um just a swift bang 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 and um once he landed that right hook it closed the show man he Roland just dropped to the canvas sort of did a spin like a like a little 360 on the floor which i found 
um, not a 60 yard, a, a 180. He turned over from his um, his back to his stomach and literally just immediately started tapping to the follow-up shots. Um, it was one of the finishes that sort of made you feel bad. Like, oh man, like kind of felt like a, like watching a bully. Like, you know, he's just a much bigger guy. And once he landed the shots, it was kind of over. Um, but obviously they both signed up for this. It's not a bullying scenario at all, but um, still felt a little overmatched in this one, I would say. Um, so Harold Howard ends up getting the, TK, the KO victory at 46 seconds. Um, exciting stuff. This is someone at this point, someone that I'm watching out for between Harold Howard and Keith Hackney, you know, two guys that are winning by knockout early. Um, who knows? Maybe they could be the guys to, to give Hoyce Gracie some real trouble down the road. So this one, this fourth quarter final bout was just bizarre, just bizarre. I encourage you guys to check this one out because they made sure that they included the walkouts in the video for this one, which I appreciated because literally, all right, let me, let me introduce these guys. So we have Hoist Gracie coming in at 5'9", 171 pounds, representing jujitsu. Again, he has the gi. He's rocking it. He's ready to go. Coming up against someone who's representing taekwondo, um, Kimo Leopoldo. He is six foot two, 250 pounds, which I was mistaken earlier. He's actually larger than Harold Howard. Um, and just a bizarre guy with all due respect. Um, big imposing figure, but you hear him talking about how he's a minister and he's here to further, you know, um, represent God. And, you know, <laughs> There's, it's always, this is a theme that we see all, all the time. I mean, a lot of these guys are really strong in their faith and I, I respect that, you know, you gotta, you gotta get your power from somewhere, but it's just bizarre. Whenever I think of it, I mean, you want to do your best to represent and show um, people the good, the goodness of God by punching people in the face. It's just a bizarre um, contrast, but Either way, um, he made sure he he literally is representing where he comes from because he literally, chemo that is, walked out bearing the cross. Like my man literally had, it looked like a, a freaking Passion of the Christ um, play or something. Like he was walking with the cross to the cage. Like he brought it all the way down. And it's just bizarre. Like, why? Like, why would you do that to yourself? I've I was in a passion play once when back in the day. And that thing ain't light. Like, we walked blocks with it. Like, we we walked around for many blocks. And is I had someone helping me. I, I had someone helping me carry that huge cross. My man's just carrying it by himself. I guess that's your warm-up. I guess. I, I I wouldn't recommend that at all. Um just strange, extremely strange, but just adds to the theater, man. <laughs> so this one got started. Um, Hoist was able to sort of push him up against the fence. And then once again, that we had that issue where the cage just flies open and um, they end up having to force a reset. So they end up getting back. They reinforce it again. And um, Hoist is able to eventually sort of hook a leg up against the, up against the fence and try to go for a trip. And then Kimo, as he's falling down, sort of lands on his arm, gets his base, and then reverses the position, you know, putting Hoist Gracie 
in a bad position where he's on Hoist's back. Just a something that we didn't see at all up to this point in the tournaments. Um, just real adversity, you know. Having somebody's back at any stage is a, a difficult position, but having the back as someone who's larger, you know, that threat of ground and pound is much bigger from him than it would be if Hoist was on his back. Like Hoist would be attacking the the submission, but um. No, Kimo is just trying to maintain position. It looks like he even thought about going for a choke, but he eventually tries to start landing shots. And then um, that allows Hoist to end up in full guard um, with Kimo still on top, but still is able to reinforce and grab his guard back. Um, and th this one I found hilarious because you don't obviously you don't see it now, but Hoist ended up grabbing him by his hair and um, sort of was able to land some good shots from the bottom which is a lost art. I feel like even now, um, there's not many, excuse me, there's not many fighters who who land effective strikes from bottom, um, but those that do really change the dynamic of the fight because now there's a, there's a case, there's an argument to be had about who's winning the fight, even though you're the one that's on bottom, which is uh, just a contrast. Usually, person that's on top is viewed as the person that's winning the person that's in a more dominant position but um with the way the new rules are and the criteria for scoring now is um they value damage over position so there there are some fights that you could point to there was one this weekend even with alan nascimento against um excuse me tagir ulenbekov okay i'm you got you to be good at pronouncing these Russian names if you're going to be an MMA fan. But in that fight, there was a lot of times where Ilan Nascimento was on the ground, on bottom, but just landing the more effective shots. And that led to that being almost a split decision. But um, it was just cool to see that, that he, he's grabbing on his hair and just landing punches from the bottom. Um, this, this was fun. Um, this was a struggle for Hoist. There was a lot of times where you could see he wasn't comfortable in that bottom position, but um, he ends up sort of grabbing his grabbing an armbar and cinching it up from bottom, which I always find really, really sketchy because you could you could throw the armbar up, but if you end up in a bad spot, um, you could end up with them taking your back from that position, which is even worse. But um, Kimo did what they advise you not to do, where he sort of. Instead of trying to keep the arm bent, his arm was already straightened and he's sort of pulling his hand out straight and trying to like slam hoist with it, like trying to pick him up as he's trying to grab the arm and just slam him down. But as he sort of goes to bring him down, he's fully extending the arm for hoist. And that's when hoist was able to get enough leverage to sort of finish it. Um, and he, what, what I mentioned here was he was he was in position to stack the armbar, which is when someone is attacking the armbar, but you put all your weight onto that fulcrum and you sort of do whatever you can to keep that arm from being bent. Um, and one way to do that is just putting all your weight on top of them. So all the weight is now on your opponent as they're trying to throw up um, their legs to get this armbar. And he was in that position, but instead of sort of putting his weight down and forcing the weight on Hoist's neck. He just sort of pulled and tried to pull his hand out of the position as fast as he could. And unfortunately that just put him in the position for Hoist to lock up the submission. 
just a exhausting close first fight that lasted way longer than expected this one went um up until let me see i have this written here no i don't i need to get this number give me one second ufc3 gotta make sure i get it i get the right numbers for you guys i can't i can't mess that up so we're on sure dog four minutes and 40 seconds so once again a much longer bout and one that you could see took a lot out of hoyts i will say that um which to this point we haven't seen so that 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 was just fascinating to watch because you always got to consider when you're watching these fights you know this isn't the first one this isn't the last one well sorry this is the first one this isn't the last one so there's going to be multiple fights moving forward that he has to have after this moment so seeing him have that adversity early um really sort of cemented the feeling that hey you know we might have a new champion here it might it might not be the same um same story as the last two tournaments which is just always fun to watch so next up was supposed to be Ken Shamrock versus Keith Hackney, which was the man who, who beat Emmanuel Yarborough in the first round. But because of that injury I had mentioned earlier, where he injured his hand, sort of landing those follow-up shots on the ground, um, this one ended up being a replacement. So it's Ken Shamrock up against Felix Mitchell, who's representing kickboxing. Um, this one was interesting as well. Um, obviously not the matchup that was expected, but just strange, I'll admit, a little strange. This one started off, Ken Shamrock had a second pair of tidy whities for this one, except this time there was gold. So he went from the red to the gold. I found hilarious. My man's on his ketchup and mustard vibes, um, doing whatever he can to show, to show the bulge. You know, you gotta, gotta do what you gotta do. Um, up against Felix Mitchell is a traditional sort of kickboxing guy he has the long pants on it was funny um felix starts to fight sort of holding his hands out like this like and i found that so bizarre just because like you never see that today whenever someone's holding a high guard excuse me whenever someone's holding a high guard it's never like that it's never in that position or it's never being just outstretched out in this way or trying to keep people away that's not how you do it so um, I just found it hilarious that he was holding his hands out literally like out and up um, towards his opponent. And every time Ken's trying to make a move towards him, he's just recentering and keeping him just strange, dude, not even touching him, not even throwing punches, really. Um, and then eventually <laughs> the, just the optics of that is hilarious because your hands are out here, but you know, this guy's trying to take you down. So he, just, he could just go right like he faked up like as if he was gonna try to parry down his hand and then just went straight under the hands into the hips for a takedown like you knew that was what he was gonna do why not keep your hands lower so you could try to defend the takedown I don't know that's just modern MMA speaking for me but holds his hands up like that and it allowed Shamrock to duck right under and attack the legs um he pushed him up against the fence and then eventually um reversed the position which i found really cool once again just a a little wink at the modern game where these guys are able to hold them hold their own in those positions and eventually ken was the one up against the cage but in that sort of um position 
Felix was conceding some space between them and that allowed um, Ken to sort of grab, you see him grab the back of the, the pant leg and he's in his waist at this point at his belt line and um, sucks him in, pulls him in closer with that and then immediately is able to get the takedown and go straight to mount, um, which was just kind of funny to see. Like you don't really see that today where someone is able to, if someone's getting pushed up against the fence and then they're able to leverage all their weight forward into a takedown, like the physic, the physics of that is hard to understand. Like you could tell Ken Shamrock is a strong guy that he's able to do something like that because once again, it's just, you're in a, in a disadvantageous position with someone pushing up against you and then you're able to just fully override that. Um, really cool stuff in my opinion. <clears throat> Felix ended up giving his back and then Ken sort of flows on top and submits him finally with the rear naked choke. Um, he did a really good job of flattening Felix out. So bowing out the legs, getting a position where you really can't recover from. Um, it's demoralizing, honestly, to be in. And he ended up getting the finish at four minutes and 34 seconds. So now this is his second win of the night. Um, he's moving on to the finals. And both of his fights took five minutes almost. So I'm sure the fatigue is has to be a factor when you're considering this, um, but he's got some time to the main event, so that helps him for sure. Next up, this was insane. I never, to this point, nothing like this has happened. So uh, the, when I watched this, I literally had my jaw was dropped. I did not expect this at all, and it's just crazy that it happened this way. But Harold Howard walks out. He's in his karate pants and his tank top. He's ready to go with his mullet. Um, I forgot to mention this early on, but he had the best intro out of any of them because he, he was just an eccentric guy, just a, a, a weird figure, I will admit. Um, but he starts it off. And he's like, we got to say him back home. If you're coming on, come on. It's just so weird. Like, sounds so sus. Like, bro, what what are you saying, bro? What are you what are you saying? Can we talk about this? Just so weird. So I I always thought about that every time he's looking at, at this guy across the the fence. He's like, if you're coming on, come on. So weird. But um, he's looking over at Hoist. Hoist comes in with the whole Gracie train. He's looking exhausted. He's holding on to his one of his brothers and sort of just dragging his feet getting to the cage they're both in the cage the cage door is closed and then they're talking to hoist like as they're doing the introductions you can see he's not even looking at his opponent he's not looking at the the ref he's looking at his corner and he's facing outside of the cage um which first of all you see that sometimes now um where they're doing the intros and they're sort of looking away but it just felt very weird like up to this point, I haven't really seen that in these tournaments. And they're introducing Harold Howard. They introduce Hoist Gracie. They even scream his name out. And then eventually, like, the fight looks like it's about to begin. Everyone's walking out. But then you see the Hoist Gracie corner sort of calling over Big John. And then they throw in the towel. So, like, before the fight even starts, before anything, they're introducing it as if it's about to go off. And then he, they just throw the towel, which I found 
so interesting to this day. I, I would, I wish I could have known why the exact reason why I can imagine it was fatigue. Obviously that first bout against chemo was a lot harder than anyone anticipated up until that point. Um, but even then you would think if they knew that coming in that, how did it get to that point? Like, how did it get to the point where they're in the cage? And then this is where he's saying, you know, no mas. Um, I found that interesting. I mean, just imagine that. That that must have been, for lack of better words, I mean, these guys are warriors, gladiators out there doing their thing. So nothing but respect. This isn't to demean Hoist, but you you must imagine. He must have felt a little embarrassed, you know. He's going out there trying to do what everyone wants him to do, trying to go out there and finish. And he just sort of quits before the fight even starts. I mean, it's it's tough to use that word because it has such a negative connotation. I'm sure that there was an injury or um, something that just led to that. Um, but it was just bizarre to see. Obviously, the first time we've seen that, the corner throws in the towel and it's over. And now Harold Howard advanced to the finals, just like that. Um, bizarre, bizarre, but exciting. So now we're looking at a finals matchup. Now we're looking at a finals matchup between Ken Shamrock, Harold Howard, a guy that got a big knockout in his first fight and then just forced Hoist Gracie to submit but without even fighting him. He just completely said, no, I'm not having no parts of this. So now you're, you have these two guys you're, you're looking forward to. And then out of nowhere, out of nowhere, Ken Shamrock pulls out from the finals bout. Um, he cited an injury, but a lot of people were speculating that he only wanted to face Hoist in the finals. I kind of disagree with that, especially with the money that you get from getting to the finals. I think he would want that. Um, I'm sure there was some sort of injury that actually forced him to, to withdraw. But, ugh, excuse me, that left a new finals matchup with a replacement, which once again, the fact that you're at the end of a tournament and this is the first time that someone's fighting and they're fighting for the championship is just bizarre, just bizarre. Not, at, up to this point, nothing remotely came close to this as far as the theater, the story coming into these um, this final match, just wild. Um, so you have Steve Jenham representing Ninjitsu at 5'10", 2'15". Um, he's a cop much smaller guy just from the visual like i don't know how these weights add up because he looks much smaller than harold howard who obviously as i mentioned before 6'2 230 um this one was fun though these guys these guys came out and started early um they start throwing throwing on the feet howard is the one aggressing trying to advance position get better um positioning in the cage and just throw bombs. Um, Howard was able to sort of rock um, Steve Jenham on the feet with an uppercut. And once he, once he did that damage, um, he started, um, excuse me, Steve Jenham sort of let his head down a little bit. And that's when Harold Howard tried to wrap up an attack with the guillotine. He, he brought it to the, to the mat. He threw himself on his back, which obviously to this day is a questionable decision. You know, you're, you're giving top position to your opponent to try to um, submit them. But if you don't get the submission, now you're on bottom. So now you, you've created a problem for yourself. And that's exactly what happened here. Um, 
Jenna was able to get on top and eventually um, get out of the choke and sort of end up in this wild scramble where he's trying to maintain position, but Howard is trying to get up. So they both are trying to get up at the same time. Um, and Jenum got to his feet first and landed a punch sort of as Howard is still getting back on his feet that you could see buzz them, which I found like, literally I was like, Oh, like I was, I was bugging out when I saw that because he just looks so much smaller than him visually um, to see him hurt him, even if it was in a transitionary phase, um, was just fascinating. Um, and that actually allowed Jenum to get top position because um, Harold Howard ended up sort of tumbling over. Um, and man, you see him go straight into full mount after that sort of takedown slash fall down moment. Um, Jenum is just landing big shots from mount and I found it hilarious because you don't you don't really see this, but a lot of times people's instincts when they're in positions like that is to try to go for a straight choke, like just grab your opponent by their throat and just you're you're using your all your weight on top to try to choke them out that way. And that's for anybody that's trained, you know that that is just a horrible position to try to win in. Like you cannot. Like you have to have superhuman strength almost to be able to um, submit somebody like that that's, that knows what they're doing, that can easily, you know, just try to move out the way. I know that sounds counterintuitive because, you know, you would assume you'd be able to strangle somebody like that. But it, if you're fighting someone that is relatively aware of positioning, it is not hard to get out of that. It is not hard to change positions and prevent them from having the leverage to even attack your neck. So it was just funny to see Steve Jenham sort of grab at his neck and then eventually say, fuck this, I'm just going to post. So he has one hand on um, Harold Howard on the, on the ground and is just landing big shots with the other hand, um, which is super primal. You don't really see that in the UFC today. Like, there are people who post and land ground and pound, don't get me wrong, but usually it's maintaining position and landing with both hands, but no, Jenna went old school with it, just posted with the left, throwing big shots with the right, and eventually led to the finish of Harold Howard literally tapping out to strikes, um, which is so frowned upon today, which I, I find dumb in my personal opinion, but it's super frowned upon. Like if, if someone taps via strikes, they're viewed as a quitter. They're viewed as someone that didn't want to fight through adversity. Um, which in my opinion, if you know, when, when's the time to say when in, in combat sports, you gotta do it. In my opinion, if you, if you're done, be done. Don't just take punches for the sake of taking punches, but man, what a story came in as an alternate came in as the final in the final bout and won the whole thing won all the money all the marbles i'm sure they'll have him back for the next tournament to defend his title but just bizarre you never <laughs> i never would have expected coming into this bout obviously with the poster being hoist gracie and ken shamrock that neither of them will be in the finals and that somebody who wasn't even in the tournament at all wins it all just a crazy tournament crazy results and obviously it all points back to the point that hey you know this tournament format when it works it brings you some exciting fights and 
you know, we were salivating at the fact that they could face each other in the finals. But when people get injured, Keith Hackney was one of them, um, Hoist Gracie, Ken Shamrock. When people get injured and people start pulling out of these tournaments, it just makes it even more wild. Obviously, you have the reserves there ready to step up if this happens, but just not expected at all. Literally not expected at all. And when you end up in a position like that, it makes you question, you know, should we should we be doing tournaments? Like, should we just make the matchups that people want to see? I don't know. Um, that's a good question. And we'll see how they address that moving forward. But man, just another exciting one. Let's get into our awards now. I won't forget this time. I won't forget. So this one was fun for me to pick out too. I will say, um, let's start off with the submission of the night. I gave this one to Hoist Gracie versus Kimo Leopoldo. The other submissions of the night were mostly due to strikes, so I didn't want to include those. Um, I would consider those a TKO, but um, Hoist Gracie did a really good job of locking up that arm bar and especially just going for it once he saw Kimo trying to bridge out and just left the arm there for him, really. Um, but in a performance where he was having adversity and was able to come back, you, you got to give him that submission of the night, man. It looked the best as well. Got to gotta give it to him. Rear nakeds are nice. Don't get me wrong. I love a good rear naked choke. But um, in the one fight that was super back and forth, in my opinion, um, you, you got to give him the, the edge there in submission of the night. Next up, knockout of the night. You got to do it. You got to do it. These first fights of the night have been delivering, man. Literally every first fight of the night for the last three events have received one of my awards. So you got to give it to him. You got to give it to him. But my knockout of the night goes to he Keith Hackney against Emmanuel Yarborough. Um, once again, David versus Goliath. And David was slinging that pebble. And he won, man. You wouldn't expect it. Just looking at them, too, you would not expect it to end that way. But the fact that he dropped them twice very dramatically, obviously, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. But just seeing this large figure being brought down to the canvas two different times by strikes is just wild. And obviously um, led to him hitting him so many times that he literally damaged his own hand and couldn't continue because of it. That's how much it took out of him to win this fight. But um just wild nothing but respect for going in there and not giving up on yourselves because there's a lot of guys that would go in there and just feel the the imposing pressure that um the sumo wrestler has on people and just decide you know i want out no keith hackney was game from the beginning and just landing bombs and ended up getting the knockout so that's my knockout of the night performance of the night man this was on this one was a little harder to decide. I think there was a lot of fights on this one, especially Ken Shamrock. I'm looking at you where you got you got a good performance, you got a dominant one, but it, there wasn't much parity, there wasn't much going on. Um, you just sort of slowly advancing position. So I had to give this one a Hoist Gracie versus Chemo. This was a really good back and forth fight where you see Chemo landing some shots in some bad positions, put Hoist in some real bad positions, and Hoist is able to overcome that adversity and sort of show his mettle on both sides, land some good shots of his own, and eventually come and get the win via armbar. So that is my fight of the night, I mean, my performance of the night. And now finally, fight of the night, man. There's, there was some good 
there was some good contenders for this one i'll admit but i had to give it to the final bout i had to give it to steve jenham versus harold howard just madness on the feet madness on the ground when it got there it was a little more one-sided once it got to the ground but still just not expected at all especially with the way harold howard was performing throughout the tournament it almost felt like oh this little guy is coming in here try to get the win no there's no way this guy we already saw this guy knock out um the, the hometown hero in impressive fashion and literally made hoist gracie quit so you're like no the in your head you're thinking he's the favorite going in but um steve jenham just took all those plans and said forget that i'm winning this tournament i'm the champ i'll see you guys next time so um, gotta give it to steve jenham versus harold howard there exciting stuff you guys this one was a much shorter tournament even than the first event didn't include a um, alternate bout or anything like that. All of their alternates were there and most of them ended up <laughs> getting thrown into the tournament, which is just fascinating to me personally. Um, once again, seeing the, the storylines develop, it was just really cool to see a tournament final with two people you didn't expect to get there. One of them that didn't even have a chance to get there that ended up there only because of injury and ended up winning the whole damn thing. Just not what you expect. And it brings a new face to this thing, brings a new a new champion to think about. Now there's two Ho two Hoist Gracie championships and one Steve Jenham. Um, so at some point you would think, you know, we got to get them matched up against each other. You know, the only UFC champs ever, they got to face each other. So whenever stuff like this happens, whenever madness ensues in MMA, it's never a bad thing. It's never a bad thing to add new faces to the mix, um, to add new people into the question and really think like, man, maybe this guy could beat this guy. You know, it just adds more um, excitement around future competitions. So UFC 3 was a fun one, you guys. I'm really looking forward to next week in UFC 4. Um, and I won't forget next time. I, I got you. I got you. I know what you guys come here for, you know got to give you those um awards at the end and i'll make sure to do so moving forward so thank you so much for tuning in um please check out the next episode i'm sure will be coming next week um and it'll most likely be ufc4 um i'll be i won't be doing only ufcs in chronological order i'm actually doing it by the dates at which they happened so eventually we'll get to a point where we'll start seeing some other promotions being thrown in there so I'm, I'm excited for that looking forward to see what happens in ufc4 um i hope you guys had a good one peace